0: Hi, my name is Jeff Pagano, and welcome to the Harpen on Rugby podcast, an audio companion to the Leinster and Ireland rugby fan site, We are now available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Dog Catcher, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public and Los Terros. Now, it's very possible I made up that last platform, but if you're on any of the others, please hop on and subscribe. In this week's pod, I offer some thoughts on the hacka and what, if anything, should be changed. Then I offer some 80-word reviews from the Rugby World Cup so far. And my guest on the back-and-forward chat is Neil Kiko Keegan, who does some harping on the World Cup as a vehicle for expanding the popularity of rugby here in Ireland and around the world. So without any further ado, let's crack on with the show with this week's Harping Point, which I have titled Rugby's Cultural Challenge. Rugby's Cultural Challenge In the vast majority of sports around the world that use a ball, it tends to be round. This is so players can have a decent amount of control when it comes into contact with the ground. Not so rugby. We don't want that level of predictability. While some of the game's top test players might look as though they're able to make it bend to their will, the fact remains that once egg meets earth, virtually anything can happen. And this unpredictable element is not just confined to the ball, it can be seen right throughout different aspects of the game. You might think things would go one way, yet in rugby, well, they just don't. And if you want to be a true supporter, you just have to get used to that. In boxing, for example, they endeavor to keep contestants of different shapes and sizes apart, but not in rugby. From the smallest scrum half to the loftiest locks, they all share the same playing field, and often one must tackle the other. Over in football, they do all they can to make sure club and international matches are kept apart on the calendar so that the top players can fulfill their obligations to both, but not so much in rugby. Take this coming Saturday when Leinster kick off the defense of their Pro 14 crown in Treviso just hours after a large chunk of their player pool continues their quest for World Cup glory 6,000 miles away. And on the day of a particular match itself, organizers generally do all they can to assure a level playing field, apart of course from the advantage gained by one team playing at home. Like the way a coin is tossed to decide who kicks off and who gains any advantage from the weather. And in the case of an international fixture, both teams are rightfully asked to stand to attention to show respect as their anthems are played. But as we know, rugby also has an exception to this rule. When certain nations are competing, they don't just get to hear their anthem. They also perform what now seems to be known as a cultural challenge. The best known is of course the All Blacks Haka, but there's also Fiji with the Thimbi, the Sivatau from Samoa, and the Tau is for Tonga. For the most part, these displays are considered part of the game's theatre, but they have had their share of controversy over the years. Some countries, including Ireland, chose to come up with their own ways of acting in response, so much so that rugby have actually issued directives on pain of financial penalty should opposing teams do anything but stand in respect in the same manner as if it were the anthem. My take on the whole thing is that, with my wider sporting hat on, of course this gives the performing team an unfair advantage, even if it is only a slight one. In an ideal world, we would either leave them out of the game altogether, or allow the opposition more leeway when it comes to responding. But like I said at the start of this Harpen Point, you just can't look at an issue like this with a wider sporting hat on. This is Rugby. Just like our ball as it hits the ground, our sport is not meant to do what you expect it to. There are kids taking up the game all over the world who would give anything to be standing at the halfway line with their arms around their teammates facing up to a hack challenge before a big test match. So however unfair it may seem, we just have to accept this element of the sport, respect the culture it represents, and if we're looking to change anything, maybe it should be what's going on from kickoff to the full-time whistle, because with new directors being published every week now it seems, there's still a lot to debate in that area. Right, that's my harp and point for this week. Now it's time for some 80-word reviews. 80-word reviews are what I call brief summaries of the latest matches for team on Leinster and Ireland's radar. As much as I'd love to have time to do ones for all of the World Cup matches, what I'll do instead is ones for Ireland's pool and 80 words each on the covering pools B, C, and D. So here we go. Japan 30, Russia 10 A very nervous start for the host nation as Tupu's fourth-minute drop catch led to Goltaniski giving the Bears a shock 7-0 lead. Slowly but surely, Japan worked their way back into it, though it took a late first-half try to give them a lead at the break. They only started to pull away when Labushain ripped one out of a tackle to run the length of the pitch, and Matsushima completed his hat-trick to earn a bonus point. Russia 9, Samoa 34 once again, Russia capitalized on early opposition errors to create a first-half lead. But when referee Poit deemed separate high challenges to Artemiev's head by Rilo and Matu to be yellow rather than red, the Bears' four-day turnaround prevented them upping the tempo enough to score more. In the second half, when Gatotsev saw yellow as Amosa scored, a brace from Fidel made Samoa the third pool A side to open with maximum points, though not without good fortune. Pool B In the marquee match of the weekend, the Springboks made all the early running, but led by the straightening runs from deep by Bowden Barrett, the All Blacks hit them with two tries in four minutes from which they couldn't recover. Dutoy pulled one back in the second half, but the reigning champs won out 23-13. In the other match, Namibia pinched an opening try, but the Italians hit back with seven of their own for a 47-22 triumph. Pool C France blew hot in the first half, building a decent lead in their crucial opener with the Pumas, before going cold in the second, having no answers to close line-outs and malls to fall behind, yet Camilo Lopez dropped a goal to seal the win as Buffelli couldn't counter with a late place kick. Argentina might question why 13 French penalties led to zero yellow cards from Angus Gardner. Next, England earned maximum points against Tonga without ever passing second gear. Pool D An upset looked on the cards as Fiji deservedly led Australia by nine into the second half, but gradually the Wallaby pack took hold of things and went on to a bonus point win. Then with just a four-day turnaround, the Fijians were actually on the receiving end of a shock as pool underdogs Uruguay made the most of many mistakes to earn only their third World Cup victory. In between, the Welsh made relatively light work of Georgia for five points. That's it for this week's reviews. Now it's time for our back-and-forward chat. Now it's time for our back and forward chat and joining me this week is Neo Kigo Keegan from the Couch Pundit podcast coming in for a second cap. Hey Kigo, how's it going? Second cap, we're, we're, we're up there with Jordan Larmer now, so good news. That's it, that's it, you're doing well. Um, so um, on your blog this week, you talked about, um, and in your podcast, you talked about the Ireland game and where Ireland are at the moment. So uh, what are your few thoughts on that?
1: yeah it's it's been a roller coaster of emotions um for the last 12 months and i think the last two games have have brought those emotions back in check a wee bit they've been uh more structured stronger uh look more confident mentally and then last weekend was uh was a massive step taking into account this obviously we strangled any positivity out of scotland so they they didn't perform uh but i think we 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 overachieved on Sunday for where we were, uh, and it's it's all systems go now for the rest of the tournament. I think the last game for Scotland and Japan is going to be massive. Uh, Samoa then again are, are nipping at everyone's heels, so it's a great group, uh, not the group of death, which is fantastic. And I think uh, Ireland are in fine
0: fettle. And having um, and having had a look at Japan as well, what, what do you think of our chances next Saturday? Uh, obviously, we it's. It's a must-win again.
1: Uh, I think we will win. Um, I think Japan are aiming at uh, at Scotland in the last game. Um, they have a tough game um, in between as well. So I think we need to uh, we need to just get get past it one day at a time. Um, Sexton apparently has been rested this weekend, but everybody else, Bar himself and Henshaw, are ready to rock and roll. So we need to put scores on them. Maybe hopefully start the subs forty minutes, 50, uh, fifty-five minutes keep everyone fresh but get through the first two games uh, uninjured uh, with hopefully bonus points and then we roll through to uh,
0: to the rest of the games and into the quarters. Fingers crossed. Love the positivity there. Um, we, we, we need more of it, I think, as Irish fans, don't you think? Uh, 100% I
1: think. Uh, the the backlash in the last year has been beyond ridiculous I I understand that people listen to radio and take their opinions from grumpy people on the radio sometimes I am that grumpy man but uh, we need to use our heads and uh, take it one game at a time like they will be they're not thinking about quarterfinals they're thinking about Saturday so uh, it's, it's all positive so far especially considering where we've come from
0: brilliant brilliant Okay, well, listen, um, since since my this podcast uh, publishes on a Wednesday, kind of midweek, what I want to do is I um, want to look at more uh, broader topics um, w- with regards like, you know, the World Cup and things like that in general. And what I was wondering was... Um, to what extent, since this is the World Cup and it's the biggest competition in the world, and it's, it's kind of it's not just for us rugby fans. It's kind of putting the sport on show for the wider public and with a hope to maybe, um, you know, getting more fans on board. And I was just wondering what your thoughts were on um, how how it can achieve that and how they actually are going to how they are going about achieving that. Yeah, it's a tricky one because it's it's always
1: that balance of, of business and spreading the game. Um, world Rugby tried to come up with new tournaments during the year and that just fell on its arse. So I think, uh, I think the World Cup is our crown jewel. Um, the only problem in terms of where we are in the world uh, geographically is the time of the whole thing. And that's a problem wherever you run it. Um, I think... Certain things need to need to happen. We need to get exciting games. We need to explain in short bursts uh, why games are important. So, New Zealand and South Africa the other day. Um, I know because relatives in, the, in in America uh, are, are watching it, but it's still early in the day. They don't get the history. They don't understand because it's brand new. I think NBC or whoever carries it over there, they had a 90-second a clip going through the history of the two teams and why they need to care about that game. And that really piqued their interest. So uh, you need to know what market you want to jump into and how to deal with that market as opposed to dealing with everyone the same way. We know the game. We love the game. Hmm. We're getting up at the crack of dawn to watch it no matter what. Uh, the americans have uh you know yourself there's a different history over there different yeah. sporting history over there and that's impossible or not impossible tough to crack the, the sport the game is there to to break in uh but they need to manage that slightly differently than uh i don't think um, arrogance is the wrong word but we can't assume that markets know about our game and as well the problem with that with the professionalism being so young there's only really a handful of teams working professionally it's not like football where you've got a hundred teams uh in relative professionalism we've got about 12 to 15. yeah uh, and that's going to take time to spread across now once once you start seeing uh like japan doing well in this tournament is huge uh, and, and I think they will do very well. Actually, the bet I have is, is not not real money, but uh, Ireland and Japan to get out of the group. That's that's that was my my premonition. Um, but I think uh, when teams like Japan do well, that's great for the game. We need America to, to, to perform uh, to perform well, uh, and then we need kind of the peripheral teams to show up. The problem with it is the money's in the top four, top five teams uh and it's very difficult to bring uh the lower tiers up you see what happened to italy and even a tier one team like scotland you see what's happening to them at the moment so it's not like football where you can plow money in and generally get results uh it's a bit like it's a bit like fighting where you can't if everyone is is working at the same level you can't pick a winner uh, Scotland lose form, America lose form, and it all falls apart. So, uh, it is a crown jewel. It is a, uh, a beautiful tournament, but the problem is the contenders are contenders'
0: pot is so small. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's kind of a you wouldn't be sure which way to go, because um, at the moment, you know, the way they have the four pools of five teams and they've got these crazy midweek matches and four day turnarounds. You want to change that. But if you expand the tournament by any more, if you let any more countries in, um, you might go back to the days when you had 100 uh, nil wins and things like that, you know, and uh, that's not going to raise a lot of interest in a sport if teams are getting hockeyed
1: no there's no and it doesn't do anything for the game in that country as well it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like our six nations when you do we rotate number six or do we stick with italy you know what i mean it's yeah. the result will be the same regardless of who you, you rotate in yeah uh, but but i i think the way they've run it uh, i think the way it's presented on television is great i think market specific presentations are the way forward for example like it, it, india is a massive market as well they're into the cricket um they they it needs to be presented differently to those guys than to us uh the americans are the same and then you look at china and all these different places because new zealand is our our top team but like nobody there's nothing else to come out of new zealand with all due respect to our beautiful new zealand cousins it's rugby a bit of cricket and that's kind of it really you know it's not like we have an england as well but you know a lot of the other bigger countries have uh, varied sports, America, a lot of sports, Ireland even have boxing, we've MMA, we've hockey, all this sort of stuff around and obviously our own sports around rugby, whereas New Zealand doesn't have a huge amount and it's not like they have a worldwide presence, so we're still very niche, uh, as much as we think it's the greatest game in the world it's still a very niche thing at the moment and I think there are steps being made um, to, to bring it forward, but our powerhouses are not with all due respect they're not sexy countries you know what I mean uh, and until and, and so that happens until we find a, an American team or even even a Russian team just based on population that can step up and compete not necessarily win but compete that's what brings the game to the people and, and brings interest it's not necessarily visibility on television
0: Hi, just butting into the chat with Kigo for a sec to let you know that the Harpen on Rugby podcast is brought to you by the Irish Rugby Store. Head over to shop.irishrugby.ie to look at the latest ranges, including the new Ireland jerseys from Canterbury. Thank you. Back to the chess. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's kind of a catch-22 when you look at it from Ireland's point of view within the game, because as much as we'd like to spread it around the world, I mean, if the... Um, the likes of the USA and Japan, kind of sleeping giants, you could call them. If they woke up and used their uh, financial cloud to its full potential, we could we may not see ourselves getting near number one again. Oh, hundred percent. If you if you just look at
1: American uh, college football, and 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 let's say eighty percent of those uh, those players don't make it to the NFL, there's eighty percent of a player pool that they could bring to rugby yeah. into professional sports they've already got the uh the the, the tra- you know uh, the training as an elite athlete it's just a code that changes they can do that they're, they're, the playing pool is already there in the states um so if and, and i'm amazed that russia aren't aren't better because of just the sheer size of them you've got russia you've got the, the kind of eastern european guys who are built for it as well uh, but america is primed for rugby uh, and if it, and if it was to break in america much like Uh, you know in the 90s was music and and film and all this sort of stuff it just blows up from there and and the pools the player pool is already there
0: and they also use for their professional league they've, they've, uh, they've, they've got their new model Major League Rugby they based it on the model of Major League Soccer which is a very successful one so um, that you know if the, the teams in that league start expanding and, and start you know they can grow the professional game there and I, I remember years ago uh, on our 30th birthday we all went to Vegas
1: and we went to the, we went to the uh, World Rugby 7 stop there in the, the college just outside the strip and we sat there for two days watching 7s rugby and it was full of of uh, the first day was full of college students, or whatever, there was a break on or whatever. And they all came in to watch it and you could see their heads being blown by the speed, the skill, the conflict, the combat of the game and how fantastic it was. And so if you were to uh, extrapolate that out to the 15s game, and you were able to, uh, I know, you know, once a year or once every other year, Ireland goes over and all the paddies go to watch Ireland play Italy or Ireland play New Zealand um, if they were to do that on a semi-regular basis in and around their own league uh, which I think they have nine teams I think they're hoping for 12 next next season it's just it's the game is tailor-made for America in that there's no um, there's no breaks there's no stop very little stops in comparison to American football but again you're fighting an uphill battle in that jurisdiction because of the history of, of what's been going on, uh, and I guess each country has has its own version
0: of that. And uh, just narrow it down now to from Ireland's point of view. I mean, as you said yourself, we have a lot of different sports here as well, and you've got GAA, which seems to have in her in football anyway is dublin winning every year so you know interest might be going down a bit in that and you know how, how do you think this world cup could help um get more irish fans to follow the sport i think actually part of the problem that
1: stopping that happening and, and rugby getting a a grip on this country is the the negativity surrounding the online commentary because you know, you know yourself. If you want to learn about something, you Google it. Mm-hmm. If you Google rugby and you find a, a Facebook group or whatever it is, outside of of yourself there on, on Harper where it's grown up conversation, um, a lot of it gets petty, a lot of it gets silly. Uh, and that's people Exactly. And and yeah. uh, and if you are brand new and you go in and you're trying to learn and you join one of these groups and you start having a chat, and again, I know there's gonna be a lot of them listening to this, this isn't directed at any one person. Person or group, and it's a generality. Um, if you go mm-hmm. in and you start looking at the conversation, and it becomes this childish stuff, Absolutely. you walk away,
0: and you never come
1: back. Uh, and so, whereas if we were able to cultivate a slightly more positive, bit of crack, of course, you know what I mean? A bit of badger, but cultivate a more positive online presence because that's where people will go first. Um, you know, unfortunately, people don't go to the rugby clubs anymore. That's where, you know, my old man used to bring me down to Seapoint. Shout out to Seapoint from the age of four all the way up to uh, whenever. I used to mm-hmm. go to Lansdowne to watch Eric Elwood uh, when I was four or five. Mm-hmm. The kicking tea was a little pile of sand from a bucket. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's, that doesn't happen anymore if you're being introduced to rugby. It all happens online. And you see a clip and you go, Oh, Driscoll, 30-second clip. And you go, wow, this is amazing. I want to learn more. You Google it and you find a Facebook group and you get involved and you start having a chat with people. And then you realise that I, online is not... The best place to experience or learn about a game. Uh, if anyone is listening and they want to learn about it, just go to your local rugby club. They want, they want new people, new families, new players. Go down there and watch uh, and enjoy it. That's where you should learn. Uh, online is, is I think online is getting to be a problem. Uh, initially, it was a beautiful thing. You know, your your site is 100 years old. Um, there are certain places that are uh, very positive and engaging and, uh, and proper Uh, debate on on what's going on wherever it is, Uh, I think the proliferation of nonsense is going to cause a problem with the game getting a grip and taking over from some of these other
0: sports. Yeah, well, we can only we can only hope that's the case. Um, now, of course, if Ireland won the World Cup, that might help uh, get a few fans in itself. Oh, it's a but um, yeah, it's so a so changer. we can hope for that. Yeah, you never know. You never know. wouldn't definitely wouldn't rule it out. But um, well, let's let's hope let's hope something can happen there anyway. So thanks for that. Um, so just before I let you go, um, is we as if as if there hasn't been enough rugby for the past week. you've got the old Pro 14 kicking off this weekend. Um, any thoughts about Leinster kick off against Benetton? Any thoughts? Leinster going to the new
1: season? I won't lie, I completely forgot about it until this morning. <laughs> um, I was, I couldn't I couldn't get my head around it. So I was looking at the fixtures. I said, like, Well, why are why are Leinster playing? What's going on? I thought it would be later in the year. So I think um, I, I think the I do like the look of the pre-season that Leinster did, the touring they did, they got very much away, as far away uh from the 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 bubble here as they could and um, I think that's important to bond the group that is there. Uh, there's a great amount of experience that has um, either been left behind or left out of Joe's Joe's squad, which is really good for the for the guys and the kids who are left there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the opening fixtures work well. I think it's good to uh, just to get get the game, get the oil in the machine, and get everything running. Um, kind of on the QT while the the World Cup is going on uh, until we get to uh, kind of the the Heineken there and it's December yeah and I think that's really important Uh, I've I've no worries about the the blue team I think I think that the the way it's run the two lads Stuart and Leo are are so uh, smart in what they're doing and how they're dealing with people Uh, I think you're going to see a big start with these kids uh, or the, the kind of the non-starters. Uh, Big start to the season. And then when the, the, the frontliners start being brought back slowly but surely, it may end up being January by the time they're, they're back. Um, they'll, be, they'll be going into a well-oiled machine. They won't have to worry uh, about these kind of uh, fringe players. Are they holding themselves up? The work's been done. Uh, there's a few things that need to change I think um, a few players had a rough a rough time last year so guys like Tamani and things like that they need to uh, really step up as leaders which uh, which was you know part of the reason they were brought over in the first place and I think uh, I think once once everyone settles into the season, You'll see leinster just marching forward because the, the the depth is amazing a lot of the other teams are decimated because of the world cup so i think there's money being made by leinster all the way through before christmas
0: that's great kego thanks for all that and before we let you go why don't you let us know what you have going on over at your website for the next while yeah over on the
1: the com, we've got uh, or i've got uh general uh, World Cup meanderings and thoughts and musings. Um, A little bit of political stuff up there, but that's for another podcast on another day and uh, just I think we're going to be open it to maybe three four times a week just to uh, because there's so much news and there's so much uh, going on and uh, you know people are, are thirsty for knowledge and thirsty for breaks during work <laughs> which is uh, you know all, all we really provide so yeah that's kind of what we're doing or what I'm doing over the next little while uh, and then obviously after the World Cup we'll decompress and
0: then uh, then can get back into the Pro 14 and the Heineken so that's kind of the that's kind of the plan for the for the next little while brilliant well best of luck with that and and uh, we hope to have you on again soon. And here's to another great weekend for the boys in blue and green. A hundred percent. That's it for now. I'll be back next week, but in the meantime, check into the blog HarpenOnRugby.net for our regular content, which includes TV rugby listings on Thursday, a video on Friday where I look ahead to Ireland v. Japan, then on Saturday, as well as covering all the World Cup action on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, I'm hoping to do a live blog from Energia Park Dunnybrook of Leinster A's Celtic Cup class with the Dragons before switching off all social media, probably, to enjoy Benetton v. Leinster over a few pints. If you'd like to get in touch, by all means leave a voicemail via our Anchor.fm page, or even just email me, paganoblog at gmail.com. This week's final whistle quote is from Kiwi journalist Mark Reason from back in 1995 when things weren't going so well for Wales. The job of a Welsh coach is like a minor part in a Quentin Tarantino film. You stagger on, you hallucinate, nobody seems to understand the words you say, you throw up, you get shot.